0: Welcome to Out the Reading Slump, a book review podcast where I try to give spoiler-free summaries, initial thoughts, and deep-dive opinions on books that I have read to get out of my reading slump. If your to-be-read books are piling up, or maybe you're having a hard time to finish a title, you've come to the right place. I'm Jilly, and join me in my reading journey. Let's inspire each other to grab a book instead of our phones and scroll pages instead of our screens, except when it's an ebook. Enjoy today's episode! Hello everyone! Welcome, welcome to another episode of Out the Reading Slump. My name is Jilly, and I know it has been a while since I last uploaded a review for this podcast, but The reason being was that I was really busy traveling around, spending time with friends and because I was so preoccupied with a lot of different things, my current reads are still current reads. Except this book that I'm going to give a review right now. So yes, welcome! How have you all been? I hope every one of you is feeling great and for me not that great because when I think about it, it's already the last month of the year and it feels like time is really really flying so fast and it's like literally in a blink this it's already December and we're already about to enter 2022. And somehow, if I think about it too much, it's a little depressing. But maybe that's just me, because also the fact that um, my birthday is is fast approaching, and you know how these days or these last few years, whenever my birthday comes, yes, I am grateful. Yes, I am feeling blessed that I that I have been given another life. But at the same time. If you are someone who has set a lot of goals for himself or herself, it's a little depressing if you think about it, right? Is it just me? But yeah, anyways, enough of the personal ramblings. So today, we are going to talk about a book that has become very, very close to me. This is a non-fiction, it's a memoir by a young neurosurgeon, Dr. Paul Kalanithi. The title is When Breath Becomes Air. Now some of you may have already heard of this title because I think in the bookstagram community as well as for someone who, who loves to read and is always updated with the new titles coming in, this is quite popular. And given that it's a nonfiction, a lot of people have also been recommending suggesting this title. I first heard of it back in 2020 when the pandemic was just starting. and a lot of people came back to reading and most of them suggested this title. So enough of the ramblings. Let's start with the synopsis. At the age of 36, on the verge of completing a decade's worth of training as a neurosurgeon, Dr. Paul Kalanithi was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. One day, he was a doctor treating the dying, and the next he was a patient struggling to live. And just like that, the future he and his wife had imagined evaporated. When Breath Becomes Air chronicles Kalanithi's transformation from a naive medical student possessed by the question of what makes a virtuous and meaningful life into a neurosurgeon at Stanford working in the brain, the most critical place for human identity, and finally into a patient and new father confronting his own mortality. So that's the general idea or the theme of this book and before I rave about this let's get down with the basics first this has a rating of 4.4 on goodreads and I would like to give you a brief background of who the author is as well so Paul Kalanithi was a neurosurgeon and a writer He grew up in Kingman, Arizona before attending Stanford University from which he graduated in 2000 with a B.A. and M.A. in English literature and in human biology. So yes, he has a solid background in English literature which explains why this book is so beautifully written to the point that it's literally poetic. His love for literature and poetry is culminated in this creation of his He loves E.E. Cummings, Emily Dickinson, Frost, Thomas Brown, basically all the geniuses of literature, to the point wherein there are a lot of passages in this book that shows how almost in every situation of his life, something he has read would come to mind and that he would recite the passages by heart, even up to his very last moments. So it was even mentioned here that he read 1984 when he was 10 years old, and that was what instilled in him the love for language. So going back to his professional background, he earned a Master of Philosophy in History and Philosophy of Science and Medicine from the University of Cambridge before attending medical school. And in 2007, Paul graduated cum laude from the Yale School of Medicine And then he returned to Stanford for residency training in neurological surgery and a postdoctoral fellowship in neuroscience. So for everyone's reference as well, as well as for myself, I searched for it. The term residency in medicine is a postgraduate training for freshly minted physicians with a doctor of medicine or a doctor of osteopathy degree. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, but residents technically are doctors in training so they are specifically training to be a particular type of doctor such as a pediatrician or pediatric specialist or a type of surgeon so residencies for doctors can last from three to seven years and for surgical residencies it can last up to a minimum of five years so apologies for getting into the details of this one because I am actually curious myself for I don't have any solid ideas as to how the education in medicine works, especially the terms. So I learned about the term residency. So going back to the author, Dr. Paul Kalanithi, he was able to author over 20 scientific publications and he even received the American Academy of Neurological Surgery's highest award for research. So yes, he's into research. He was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer in 2013, though he never smoked. Paul completed neurosurgery residency in 2014. He died in March 2015 while working on When Breath Becomes Air. Yes, this book was written by him during those last years of his life, which for me is a big factor as to why this book is very relevant and very heavy. So the entire premise of the book is a powerful tale of how it's like to live with death itself. And moving on to what I think about it, I think it's one of the most beautiful, profound, and poetic memoir book that I have ever read. It moved me in a way that I wasn't really expecting. So let me give you an excerpt of how the book actually started, and it started really heavy. I flipped through the CT scan images, the diagnosis obvious. The lungs were matted with innumerable tumors, the spine deformed. A full lobe of the liver obliterated. Cancer widely disseminated. I was a neurosurgical resident entering my final year of training. Over the last six years, I'd examined scores of such scans, on the off chance that some procedure might benefit the patient. But this scan was different. It was my own. So, there, that's how the author started it. And then from there, he flashbacks through the lifetime of experiences that got him to that point. And you know what? It has been ages since I ugly cried over a book and this one did it, especially on the latter part. Reading this made me feel like I've I've had a close encounter with death. And the fact that it was written by a neurosurgeon who has a solid background in literature is, I guess, what made it stand out. And I think one of the biggest factors why this book is just so moving is because of the fact that its author was such a brilliant polymath. And, you know, there sure are a lot of scientific medical jargons all throughout the book, yes, but it didn't make me feel alienated or out of place or couldn't relate from what is actually happening. He has a way of making you feel like you're in the same room with him. Cutting cadavers, delivering bad news to the families or loved ones of their patients. You know, he gives you that experience of how it's like to be a neurosurgeon and what makes them human. Of how the relationship between a doctor and a patient and a patient to doctor usually goes. And he has also vividly explained it or written it very well of the way doctors actively engage with death every day and grapple with it and in doing so confronting the meaning of life and the main turning point of this book or of his life of course for him was the way his life suddenly changed or transformed from being a doctor to a patient himself And when he and his family learned of the cancer, there's this specific line that also stuck with me, which I'm going to read to you. My father declared that these modifications were capitulations to the disease. I was going to beat this thing. I would somehow be cured. How often had I heard a patient's family member make similar declarations? I never knew what to say to them then, and I didn't know what to say to my father now. What was the alternate story? And that part really struck me because in a way, it's kind of the same situation wherein, you know how there are times we are so good at giving advices to people when they are having problems in their life, but when the problem is hitting us, are experiencing the problem we don't know what to do we don't know how to act we don't know which decision to make and in a sense it's almost the same with that situation he was a doctor he used to be the one who delivers the bad news to the patients and he used to be the one who kind of tried to console them or to comfort them but in that moment of his life when he was surrounded by his loved ones and they realized that he has a terminal illness, he didn't know what role to play. He didn't know if he's gonna play the doctor if or if he's gonna play the patient. He didn't know what to say to them. And that is a very, I think that's a very difficult situation in life that um, some of us faces. And you know how I haven't had any very close encounter with death but this book made me rethink of everything that has been going on with my life. Of how I'm spending my time and if I am really living the life that I want to live. It made me reevaluate my relationships and if I am taking things for granted or not or, or am I putting my attention to the things that really matter to me. This book reintroduced me to the reality of how our life is fleeting and how at any given moment it might be taken away from us. And yes, this book is written by a dying man and the encompassing theme is death itself. But this is actually more about being alive. I remember one of the passages, it goes like this. I would have to learn to live in a different way. Seeing death as an imposing itinerant visitor, but knowing that even if I'm dying, until I actually die, I am still living. And that line is just so powerful, and I think that's, that's the best way to face it. He faced each stage of his illness with grace. You know, not with that bravado or misguided faith that he would overcome or beat cancer. He faced his illness with the authenticity that allowed him to grieve over the loss of the future that he had originally planned and he forged a new one. Throughout the whole book, he allowed himself to be open and vulnerable. He cried when he was diagnosed. He cried during his last day in the operating room. During his last days, he was fully alive despite being physically collapsed. You know, he's very hopeful, but not for the unlikely cure. He didn't place his hopes on that, but he was hopeful for days that were full of purpose and meaning. And I guess that's why it has moved me so much. You know, most of the time, we spend our times looking for purpose and meaning in the things that we do. It's as if having a meaningful life means that we have to be doing something grand or something big or great. Sometimes, we fail to recognize the little things and our small wins. Of how our purpose might be in the relationships that we have. Or maybe it's in the little good deeds that we do every now and then. Or maybe the fact that we are breathing and choosing to go through each day, continuing on with life, we are already serving our purpose. And yes, those are my thoughts on this book. It's a little personal, I know, but the book itself is really personal. And also a fun fact well it's not a fun fact a fact that this book is in a sense unfinished so due to the author's rapid decline from his illness he was not able to finish it hence um the epilogue was written by his wife lucy i'm so happy that lucy was very determined that the manuscript be completed posthumously Her epilogue kind of gave me that closure of the rather abrupt ending of what was written by the author, Paul himself. And the epilogue was the most painful read for me. It was the part where tears were just literally flowing out of my eyes and I was ugly crying. It vividly paints the grief, sorrow, gratitude, and grace of a loving wife who have witnessed one life that is passing, that of his husband, and another that's just blossoming, that of their newly born daughter, all at the same time. And yes, um, about the same time Paul was diagnosed with cancer, it was also the time that they contemplated and decided on actually having a child. And it's a whirlwind of emotions for her. And I couldn't even imagine how hard it was to have experienced all those things and stayed strong, rational, and resilient all throughout. She was Paul's partner in everything. And cancer, in a way, even made their marriage stronger. So yes, um, generally, it is a very heavy book and it's something that gives us that slice of reality and possibility that our life is really so fragile and you know how we often ask ourselves randomly or during our pensive state we ask ourselves what would i do if i would face the last days of my life of course the most common answer is that I would live my life to the fullest, I would spend time with my family, with my friends, I would do the things that I really wanted to do before. But you know it's a very different thing when you are facing cancer, it's a different story. As much as you wanted to live your life to the fullest, you can't because you are physically tired, you are drained, and your body won't allow you to enjoy the last days of your life. So this is a really really good read and this gives light and hope to everyone who's facing such very heavy challenges in their life and that's why i would definitely recommend it to literally everyone it's something that i feel like everyone should read even just once in their lifetime And also, a lot of those who have read this keep on mentioning that readers of Atul Gawande's Being Mortal would really love the book. But I am familiar with with the author and the book, but I haven't read that yet. But I will make sure to add it to my to-be-read pile. But I just mentioned it because just in case you have read Atul Gawande's Being Mortal... I'm sorry for ruining the pronunciation, sorry for murdering his name. But if you have read Being Mortal, they say that you will definitely enjoy this book. And this is a very short memoir and you can actually finish this in one or two sitting. I personally rate this as a 5 because it has really moved me. And I guess the fact that I cried multiple times is also a big factor. I highly recommend this to those who are lost in figuring out their purpose in life, as well as those who are not putting attention and focus to things that matter. And to those people who feel like they're taking everything for granted, this is for you. So I think that ends my lengthy review for this one. And for those of you who have read this, let me know your thoughts, please. And for those who are looking for a non-fiction read, And looking for something emotional that's not too long. And looking for a good cry. This is the book for you. So yes. I am going to end my review. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this one. Thank you so much for listening to me and this podcast. Yes. Just, you know, I am on Instagram And you can also send me an email whenever you want. Just send a random message, whatever. But I really hope you enjoy your day today. And, you know, let's face life. I don't know how to face life. Okay, bye.